So if you're in Lamentations chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading. Uh, The scripture says this, Lord, you have seen how I have been wronged. Now judge my case for me. You have seen how my enemies took revenge on me and made evil plans. I started in verse 59, I'm sorry. Lord, you have heard their insults and all their evil plans against me. The words and thoughts of my enemies are against me all the time. Look, in everything they do, they make fun of me. It says make fun of me with songs. I really want to focus on that first line where it says, Lord, you have seen how, how, how I have been wronged. Let's, let's go ahead and, and pray over our time in the word. Father, we thank you for your word. It's awesome. It's powerful. It's living. It's true. It's always accurate and on time. It's for today. Lord, you said that even though heaven and earth will pass away, your word will never pass away. We know, Lord God, that, that you have a word for us tonight for me, for all of us individually. So Lord, I actually would speak to us, Holy Spirit, uh, and I pray more importantly that you give us the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Uh, in the book of Lamentations, obviously it's, it's a man of God that is lamenting about things going on in his life. How many of you ever felt like this? Lord, I have been wronged. Someone has wronged me. I feel like people are after me. They're making fun of me, you know. And everybody pretty much has has agreed. At some point in our life, someone has has wronged us, right? Has done something wrong too. Is it that might have happened to you today? Maybe just this week. When someone has some done something wrong to you, especially someone that's very close to you, someone's close to you in your life. Um, it could be a loved one, could be a spouse, could be a mentor, could be a parent. It can be hard to deal with. Would you agree? It can be hard to deal with when somebody has wronged you, has hurt you, has harmed you in some type of way. You know, King David experienced this in one of the worst ways. Uh, If you're familiar with, maybe you're not, if you're familiar with, in the book of 1 Samuel, um, David was a shepherd boy, um, and he was was tending his father's sheep. At the time, uh, there was a man named Saul. King Saul was the king of all Israel at the time. Shardalong David gets called in uh, to uh, just check on his brothers that were fighting this war. And most of you, if you're not too familiar with the Bible, you know the story of David and Goliath, right? David kills this giant Goliath just as a young boy, they say, probably a teenager. Um, and after that, he gained the king's favor. You know, he came in and like one man special forces kind of thing. You know, you think about a teenager coming in and, and taking out the baddest of the terrorist, you know, uh, uh, regime, that pretty much would be equal to what happened here. So he gains the king's favor. But soon after that, the king goes, King Saul goes from Loving David and getting David into his palace to serve him to turning on him. And his king also, which becomes his father-in-law, which is a father figure, a mentor to him, begins to turn on him and begins to uh, straight up chase after David and tries to kill him multiple times. And, and, and David is completely innocent. He's, he's done a, a miraculous thing and he gives God the glory. You can read through all of First Samuel and see the, 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 the detail of the story for time's sake tonight. But, but he, he becomes, uh, enraged and jealous towards David, um, because he becomes very popular, as you can but imagine. And, and, you know, uh, he, he gains favor with a lot of the people in Israel. And so David has these tremendous wrongs that are being done to him by his mentor, his king, even his father-in-law. And so tonight I want to show you how you can win 
even if you've been wronged. How you can win even when you've been wrong. Here are a few lessons we're going to look at tonight from this situation with Saul and David that can help us because almost everybody in here that I saw shook their head and said, I've been wrong. The truth is, I wish I can tell you tonight that you'll never be wronged again, but we all know that's not true, right? You, you, you might be wronged again tomorrow on your way home. Before you get home, you might receive a phone call or something, right? So I just want to give you a few things tonight from David, from David's life, a lesson of how we can win even when we've been wrong. Number one, when people get jealous, you stay faithful. When people get jealous of you for doing something right, in David's case, all he did was a great thing. He, he trusted the Lord, like we were just singing about, and this teenage boy comes against this great Philistine giant that was a, a warrior, like I said, it would be like elite troops today, a special forces, and takes him out. A miraculous thing, he allowed the Lord to use him, and Saul gets jealous of him because of that. Let's, let's pick up the account there. First Samuel 18, 6 and 9, it says, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David killed the Philistine, and let me pause there if you're not too familiar with the story. After David killed Goliath, he, you know, the sling and the stone knocked him down, cut off his head. After that, the Israelites, you know, they, man, they got pumped up. This was a great victory. So they, they turned on the Philistines, started chasing them, and they won this great victory. Not only did David defeat the Philistine, but Israel was pinned down and they ended up defeating all of the, the Philistines. It was a great victory for all of Israel. So just to fill in the blank, they came back victorious. After David had killed the Philistine, women from all over the town of Israel came out to meet King Saul. <clears throat> they sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What is this? He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. From that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So you can, this is what happened right here. Because of this great victory, these women started singing and said, hey man, Saul killed his thousands, but David is 10,000. So from there, he became jealous of David. So let me say this. Don't let other people's jealousy of you prevent you from remaining faithful to God and what he has called you to do. See, because listen, sometimes people get jealous of us and it, it has to do with what we have or maybe the way we look or whatnot. But sometimes people are jealous even when you're doing the right thing and you're serving the Lord. This is where this, this message gets a little sticky here. And that's the sad thing. It's really hard as I as I'm, was reading through this in my daily devotion again the last few days, you begin to see this. Here's Saul, and we'll see later. It, the Bible makes it clear God appointed Saul to be the king. The Bible makes it clear Saul was anointed to be king. He had God's anointing upon him. He was the king of all. He had done some, he had won a great victory earlier. So, you know, this was at one time a man of God. David was doing nothing wrong. He hadn't done anything wrong yet. Later in his life, he made some mistakes and he failed. But at this time, all he was doing was serving God, doing what God was calling him to do. And yet David was jealous. So listen. Don't let anybody, even when you know people are jealous of you, don't let that deter you because this is the deal. <clears throat> Sometimes if, if you feel like, if you know somebody's jealous of you, begins to wrong you, begins to talk about you, begins to slander you, it, it, you'll have the tendency to like, well, man, maybe, maybe I should back off. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I, I shouldn't be. Listen, if you know you're doing what the Lord's calling you to do, it don't matter if the whole world's jealous of you. Remain faithful. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. Listen, 
even me, I started thinking back on, on my life as a Christian. When I got saved, and it's, it's all glory to God, I, I grew in my faith very quickly. I, I mean, I started coming to church, and I grew in my faith quickly. And then I started serving in the youth ministry, and I, I began to just grow in leadership very quickly. And I know even back then, at the time, there were some people that were jealous of that. There was people, and I, I saw it because when I was when I was uh, a leader amongst a bunch of other leaders, and then I took over for the youth pastor, almost everybody left. Now, I'm saying it wasn't all because of jealousy, but I know some of that was hard. And I, people would make comments of me just getting saved and just coming on and whatnot. And even later in my life, as I came on staff here, there was there was people that um, were were they were jealous. I had a young man come in my office one day, and he was he was uh, had went through Bible college, and he wanted to be a part of ministry, so he wanted to meet with me. He came sit in my office, and and um, I, I have a there, there's a certificate. We all get licensed here. We all licensed the pastors are licensed ministers. And as we were sitting in my office, he looked at my wall and he said, "Man, you you licensed?" He's like, "How did you get that?" And I begin to tell him, you know, the process, and he said. Man, that's it? That's all you had to do to get that paper? And he was kind of sneering at, like, man, well, don't, it don't take much to get, to get licensed around here, right? And I was like, well, man, you know, I, I, all I know, I, you're right, I hadn't gone through Bible college like you. I said, I, I served under two other youth pastors before me, kind of hands-on training, you know? I know God's called my life. And I remember after that meeting, it was, it was a little discouraging because he had more, you know, accolades than I did, right? He had, he had done a Bible college and all this stuff. And I took some vocational Bible college courses when I came on staff here. We, we've, we've taken some and whatnot. And we're actually going through some training right now. Uh, that's accredited Bible college course. We're going to be finishing up at the end of the year. You know, but, but it, it like, as a young believer and even as a young minister, it kind of threw me off for a minute. But then I realized, listen, I'm not going to apologize for what God's doing in my life. And neither should you. And just, that's what I'm trying to tell you. From the example of David, you know, it was the ladies that sang those songs about David. David wasn't pumping us up and saying, hey, look what I did. You know, and so you shouldn't apologize. Of course, we shouldn't walk around boasting and bragging and all of that. But if you're doing what God's called you to do, you're being faithful to the Lord. Don't let anyone discourage you that. Look, I love this. Look at 1 Samuel 18, 14 and 16. <clears throat> David continued to succeed in everything he did for the Lord was with him. Now, let, let, me, let me back up. Faithfulness will always produce success. Faithfulness produces success. So in verse 14 and 15, David continued to succeed in everything he did for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid, but all of Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. Listen, you know, David remained faithful in what he was doing. He kept being faithful. Look at this. In verse 29, it says, Saul became even more afraid. In verse 30, it says, David became even more successful. Isn't that amazing? Saul became more afraid and more jealous. David became more successful. Because why? Because it says that he would he was faithfully leading his troops in all that he did. So I just want to encourage you tonight. Even if people are jealous of you, you remain faithful. You stay faithful. Amen? Number two, don't wade through the wrong alone. Don't ever wade through the wrong alone. Listen, in chapter 23, David had just finished helping a group of people 
by protecting him from the Philistines. He, had, he, was, he was on the run. Saul was trying to kill him at this point. Okay, Saul was trying to kill him. After this happened, he got jealous of David. Again, I'm just, I'm trying to briefly go over the whole story for time's sake. But he's on the run. He chased David out of town trying to kill him. So David's running from town to town. He's hiding in caves and, and, and what the Bible calls strongholds. And so he went to this, to this, uh, this town and the Philistines were about to raid this little town. So David says, Hey, we need to, we need to go protect these people from the Philistines. His men, which were only 400 of them, said, Man, are you crazy, David? Like, we're scared here in, 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 you know, Judah, uh, in Judea. If we go try to fight the Philistines, man, you know, we're really going to have a lot of people after us. But by God's power, again, David goes and protects them, saves their lives, defeats the Philistines. This great victory on the small town here in Israel. Saul finds out he's in that town. David begins to pray and he asks the question, is Saul going to come after me here? And will the people that I just saved betray me. It was called the Canaanites or something. And the Lord answered me and said, yes, they will betray you. Now think about that. Talk about David being wrong. Not only is his king, his father-in-law trying to kill him, David just risked his life and the lives of his men to save these people. And the Lord warns him that these same people are going to turn around and betray you to Saul. You talk about being wrong. I mean, think about, think about how discouraging this must have been. Think about how, you know, the feeling of betrayal must have been unbearable. If you think about somebody that, and, and you might have experienced something, maybe not in this case, but let me ask you, have you felt like you've ever given your time, your effort, your blood, sweat, and tears for someone, and they turned around and betrayed you? I see quite a few heads shaking here in the, in the auditorium. That's real life, right? That's why the Bible gives us, people like, oh, that's just old stories. No, these stories have principles that we can learn from, right? He gave us, like, sometimes we give our all to people and they turn around and they betray us. I'm sure the feeling of betrayal again was unbearable and he was feeling incredibly discouraged. But I love this. I love how God provides and what we need through many different avenues. And a lot of times it's through people. Look at 1 Samuel 23, 16 and 18. It says, Jonathan went to find David. And this was right after this happened. Jonathan went to find David. Jonathan is Saul's son, by the way, and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You're going to be the king of Israel and I will be next to you as my father Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. This is Jonathan, the king's son, but Saul's, uh, David's best friend. Jonathan encouraged him in his faith and reminded him of the call of God on his life. This is the kind of people we need in our life, church. This is why we're always talking about community and having solid friends. Because just in the nick of time, even though, you know, David was surrounded by four, I think it's grown to 600 troops at this time, he needed a solid friend. He was surrounded by an army, but he needed one solid friend. You ever felt like you was in a crowd of people, maybe even in church, and there's a lot of people around you, but you feel like you might be alone and you don't have that one person? You need that one person. Listen, it's, it's so crucial. See, David recognized, I'm sorry, Jonathan recognized God's selection of David, and he renounced any personal ambition to take the throne. He was opposite of his, of his, Father Saul. Saul was jealous of David because of what he was doing. Jonathan was the complete opposite. Now, 
David's been betrayed by Saul. He's been, you know, I've been pursued and trying to be killed by Saul, betrayed by a whole town of people. But he has this one friend that come alongside of him and says, hey, man, I don't want the throne. I know you're going to be king. Let me encourage you, even though my dad's after you, he's never going to find you, and you're going to be the next king. I recognize that, and I'm going to be right beside you. Matter of fact, as I was studying today, that phrase actually means I'm going to be like your second, your second in command or, or one next to you. Jonathan never got that that position because he was killed later with his dad in battle. The Bible even, or scholars say that this was probably the last time that Jonathan and David even saw each other. Jonathan, by the way, if you read earlier, they became good friends and whatnot as David was serving in the palace and he was serving his dad. Listen, y'all, we need friends like this. That's why we're always talking about life groups. Listen, you you can you can have one or two solid friends. If you're in a church... Any church, I know we have some guests here, I talked to some people, wherever you at, if you just started coming to the church, you just started coming back, if you don't have any friends, you need to get connected into life groups. That's why we do this. That's why it's so important because you know what, if you're being wronged right now and you're trying to go through it or wade through it alone, it's going to be 10 times as hard. Yes, the Lord can help you. He'll help you by the Spirit. He'll help you by by the Word. You can come to a, a, a corporate setting like this. We can worship. We can pray. But man, it... David didn't even seek Jonathan out. I love this. I believe it was the Lord that sent Jonathan in the nick of time to encourage his brother, right? Because he, he went out and he found him. So don't wade through alone, alone, alone. Make sure you have a solid, small community of people, one or two friends. If not, listen, y'all, we have live groups uh, all through the year. We're in a spring semester right now. You can go on our, our website, our app. You can check it out, flchurch.net slash connect. Check out, man, there's men's groups, women's groups. There's there's groups. I mean, our, our teenagers, they on Wednesday nights, they go through live groups. There's live groups going on right now. It's vitally important for everything that we do. We were not created to walk this life alone. When we're wronged, and even isn't it great to have friends to celebrate the good times with too? When you get the breakthrough as we were praying for, when you get the victory, it's awesome to have friends around you that can, man, pat you on the back, high five, jump up and down with you. Amen. Don't wade through the wrong alone. Number three, this is probably one of the hardest ones. Don't try, don't try to harm the one that has wronged you. <laughs> y'all laughing because y'all know it's one of the hardest ones, right? Don't try to harm the one who has wronged you. 1 Samuel 24, 113. Uh, this is kind of lengthy, but I was going to tell the story. I might as well read it just to give you the, the, the whole thing. David has an opportunity. By now, Saul has thrown a couple spears at him while he was still in the palace. Now he's running, chasing him all over Israel, trying to find him and trying to kill him. He's trying to, every chance he gets, Saul is trying to kill David. And he's, he's been wronged. He hasn't done anything wrong. And yet this man's trying to kill him. And let's see David's response when the tables turn. 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 13. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone to the wilderness of, of En-Gedah. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went to the cave to relieve himself. But as it had happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Now is your opportunity. David's men whispered to him, Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But when David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe, the Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my Lord the king, he said to his men. Listen to David, just his, just his vernacular, his, his way he talks. 
to the Lord, my Lord, I'm sorry, to my Lord, the king. He still has honor and respect for, for Saul. He's not calling him despicable names or anything. He's still honoring him as the king. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king, and attack the Lord's anointed one. For the Lord himself has chosen him, as we talked about earlier. So David restrained his men and did not let him kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out, shouted after him. Here we go again. My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say, I am trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what nice, look, here's that again. He's calling him my Lord and my father, right? Look, look at the, still the honor and the respect he has for him. Look, my, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your road. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As the proverb says, for evil people, from evil people comes evil deeds. So you can be sure, he says it again, I will never harm you. Isn't this amazing, y'all? The king's trying to kill him at every turn. He gets an opportunity. Uh, for the, you know, scholars say for him to be able to cut off the hem of his robe, either Saul had taken it off or he maybe he had fell asleep in the cave and that's where David was able to cut off the, the hem of his robe. But he had an opportunity, whichever one it was, whether he was using the bathroom or he was sleeping, David crept up behind him and could have easily taken him out. His, his men were encouraging him to take him out. And yet, not only does he not do it, he reiterates to Saul, I will never harm you. Why? Because you're the king, you're the Lord's anointed, and you're my father. He was his, literally his father-in-law. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? No matter how much he had wronged David, David knew better than to turn around and harm him. And hurt him. We need to do the same thing. As hard as it is. Because most of us in here, I'm pretty sure, maybe all of us, never had somebody trying to kill us at every turn. Could you imagine at every stoplight and everywhere you went, every grocery store, somebody, you know, after you literally trying to take your life? For us, a lot of times, it's, it's words. Yes, it's actions. Now it can be, you know, it could be a social media thing, whatever the case may be. We must always resist the temptation to harm those who have wronged us. And let me say this, especially when they're in authority. Because listen, the Bible tells us to honor our father and mother. The Bible also tells us to honor our spiritual leaders. You've heard us talk about this. Pastor Todd has talked about it many times. We talk about honoring our father and mother. There's not a stipulation on there saying even if they're honorable. Saul was the, the furthest thing from honorable, but yet David still respected him as the king, as the Lord's chosen, and as his father. And whether they're not an authority, they can be the person that you never liked before. Let's go all the way to the other extreme, right? It can be like, man, I never liked that dude in the first place. And now he's trying to harm me. Now he has wronged me, right? Whatever case may be, we still, the Bible tells us that we shouldn't at all lash back out or try to harm him. That's why David's conscience again was bothering him because he had dishonored. He felt he even dishonored the king and, and God's anointed king by even just cutting off a little piece of the hem of his robe. 
This, this is not something that's just Old Testament. Jesus makes this very clear. Look at Matthew 5, 39. But now I tell you, do not take revenge on someone who has wronged you. Right? Jesus knew we would be wronged quite a few times, probably in a lifetime. Do not take revenge on anyone who wrongs you. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, let them slap your left cheek too. That's always a hard scripture to, to read, right? Am I right? Especially for us guys. It's like, man, really? Like, it's one thing if like, I don't hit them back, Lord, but I got to even turn the cheek and let them hit me again, right? Is it just me guys or what? I'm just being real up here. That's a tough scripture to, to, to but that, that it's the heart behind the matter because he knows somebody hits me. You know, the reaction is I want to hit you back, right? Somebody talks bad about me. The reaction is I want to get back at them. I'm not going to let nobody talk to me like that. Who do they think they are? You ever heard, you ever heard yourself or maybe you said that? Romans 12, 17, 18. If someone does wrong to you, do not pay him back by doing wrong to him. What's the old saying that we've all heard growing up as kids? Two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. I love this one, this translation of Romans 12, 17 even better. If someone does wrong to you, don't try to pay them back by hurting them. You see, there's a saying, hurt people hurt people and are easily hurt by people. So one, when we get hurt by somebody, our natural tendency is to want to hurt them back. You hurt me, I'm going to get you back. You hurt my wife, I'm going to get you back. You hurt my kids, I'm going to get you back. Okay, I just thought about this again. My wife knew I was going here. Okay, y'all know the term, you know, some of you ladies might be, or you know the term, a mama bear? Like, I'm, man, I'm a mama bear. So my sister-in-law sent this meme to my wife, and because this is so, like, this could be, you mind if I share, like, this is, she's like, that's so, so she sent this to me and my wife and, and said, she said, I thought about you, Cassie, when I read this. It said, I'm not really a mama bear. I'm more like a mama llama. Like, I'm pretty chill, but if you mess with my kids, I'll spit on you and kick you in your face, you know? So, so it's just like, and if you know my wife, that's so my wife. She's chill. She loves everybody, but don't mess with her kids, you know what I mean? So it's like, but even in that, although that's funny and that's true, it's like, we shouldn't be spitting on people, guys. Or trying to kick him in the face, all right? As that Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Don't don't kick and spit on. You know, you ever we watch America's Funniest videos, and there's always llamas spitting on people. You know, so we when we read that, it's like our kids have kind of adopted the llama as our family mascot too. By the way, I don't I don't know where that came from. I guess because we watch a lot of AFV. You know, so. But listen, no good ever comes out of getting back at people. Do you notice that? Have you noticed that in your life? It never turns out good when we lash back out, when we retaliate, when we try to get revenge, whether it be verbally, whether it be, you know, on the sly, it could be physically, it never turns out well. And when you do respond and react that way, as we see, you're blatantly disobeying the Lord. We're disobeying the Lord, right? If you respond, if you don't turn the other cheek, if you react, if you, you're, we're, we're not only, does, are we causing it to be worse? We're blatantly disobeying the Lord. Trust that the Lord will deal with it. Look, I love verse 12 again, 1 Samuel 24, 12. David said, may the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. So you can see David, like, is a man of God, but in his heart, he's like, I'm not going to touch you, but the Lord might get you. You know, that's what he's saying. Perhaps the Lord's going to get you. You know, he's probably kind of secretly praying that, you know, like, I'm not going to hurt you, but. You know, you better watch your back, Saul, because the Lord's taking account of all of this. But you see, David rested in God's will rather than trying to force God's hand. Let me say that again. David rested in God's will that he would take care of it instead of forcing God's hand. 
He understood. He understood that the, the Bible says, vengeance is mine. That's Old Testament. David had the scripture. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. We got to leave that up to the Lord. That's not our doing. So rest in God's will that he has it. He sees you're being wrong, and he will handle it in his timing and in his way, right? And so what happens? Your hands stay clean. You can rest that. You know what? The Lord sees every wrong that I'm going through. As we read in Lamentation, he cries out, Lord, do you see I'm being wrong here? Yes, he does. That might be for somebody just that tonight. You might think, man, I don't even know if the Lord sees all this injustice being done to me. Yes, he does. Rest in that tonight. He sees the injustice, but trust that the Lord is going to deal with it. The fourth thing is that we also need to trust the Lord to rescue us from the wrong. Not only will he deal with those that are wronging us, but I believe and, and truly that, that he will rescue us from the wrongs being done. Look at 1 Samuel 24, 15. May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. David had all of his faith and that the Lord was going to rescue him. He was on the run with a, I mean, a small contingent of an army. You got to think that the Israelites had thousands of troops. He had like 600 of them. And then the Bible says that the people that came was people that was disgruntled, that was kind of outcast. The Bible says they were in debt. Could you imagine that? Like you down in the dumps, then all kind of people comes to you like, man, I'm in debt. I'm broke. I ain't got no money. Can I, can I hang out with you? Like, really? That's the kind, that's probably why Jonathan just got the revelation. Probably why Jonathan had to go encourage him because he was around a bunch of people that was already like, was in the dumps with him too, you know? So he knew that the little army he got, that any time the Israelites could overrun him. But he said, listen, he said, I'm, he's my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. David was trusting totally that the Lord would deliver him from Saul's power. An advocate is someone who defends or vindicates another person, especially someone that has been wronged. That's what an advocate, he understood that, listen, you know what? The Lord is going to help me through this. And David, you see, David had a track record. Before Goliath, before he fought Goliath, he said, hey, look, when I was a shepherd, you know what? Lions and bears tried to take our sheep, and I would grab them by the jaws, and the Lord helped me deliver them. So when he stood up to the Philistine, to the to Goliath, he said he's going to do the same thing to this pagan Philistine, and he did. The Lord helped him in a mighty way defeat this giant. Now he has a new giant in his life, this king with this mass army. But David trusted that, hey, I'm being wrong here. I don't have to try to pay him back, and the Lord's going to get me out of it. So that's where faith comes in. Listen to Psalm 103.6. The Lord does what is right and fair for all who are wronged by others. See, y'all, that's a scripture we got to rest in and trust in that the Lord is going to do right by me when I've been wronged by others. He sees and he will help us to do it. And the fifth and final thing, which, you know, of course, as I was studying and looking up different scriptures, I had to go here to close it out, is that we must always work to forgive all who wronged us. Anyone who has wronged us, we have to forgive. Because we can do all the other four things, and if you hold on to unforgiveness, you still lose. You still lose. We can do all four. The title's message is how to win when you're wronged. If you do all four perfect, but inside and nobody knows you don't forgive, you lose. The greatest, the, 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 that's, it's the, the last but not least, we have to continue to forgive because that's the thing. You know, the Lord can pay them back. You can do all this stuff. You can see that they, they reaping what they've sown. But deep down inside, 
you can have unforgiveness. Just a few weeks ago, I had been, I was visiting with an elderly lady. Uh, I went pray with her and went see her a few times. And uh, and this gentleman that uh, been known for years and, and and whatnot and loves the Lord and and um, I had prayed uh, with his mom a couple of times. And um, when she was, I would visit with her when she was still awake and everything. But towards the end, uh, whenever she was unconscious, the last time I went went back to their house. I prayed with her, prayed over a bunch of, uh, you know, friends uh, uh, and family around in the room. And we were just visiting. He called me back in the room. He said, hey, man, can you pray? He said, I just want to make sure. He wasn't sure, just from the way his mom had talked, if she had, you know, some some forgiveness, some unforgiveness in her heart. And he just wanted me to pray over just to just to make sure, you know. And that's like, man, for not only yourself, but I, I just thought about that as a loved one. You see your mom here about to cross over and she's saved. She loves the Lord. We know she's in heaven, but he just wanted to be sure like, man, just, just pray. Cause they say that, you know, even though you're unconscious, a lot of people say that you can hear, you know, you can still hear. So I just was encouraging her. Hey, release anybody, forgive anybody. Yo, I'm just want to encourage you. Let's not wait till, you know, we, we minutes, days or weeks away from eternity to get that stuff right. Listen, I know it's hard. I know it, it's, it's forgiveness. It can be a hard thing. It's a process, and only the Lord can help us truly forgive like we need to, and it's a process. And listen, if you want to forgive and you're you're struggling with it, that's good. That's a good place. You're wanting to do it. The Lord will help you. It's when you refuse to forgive that's the problem. It's when you say, I will never forgive that's the problem. Luke 17, 4, Jesus said, if that person, we're talking about somebody wronging us, if that person wrongs you seven times a day, that's probably how David felt. If that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. I've heard people say, man, I don't have no more grace for that person. I don't have, we got to, y'all. I mean, Jesus makes it clear that seven times in the same day, we still, and, and why? The next scripture tells us, Galatians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive each other. If someone does wrong to you, Forgive that person. Why? Because the Lord has forgiven you. I mean, you know, and I'm wrapping it up. So a lot of us have heard many forgiveness messages. The worst thing that somebody can do to us still doesn't compare to what the Lord has forgiven us for doing. We had an eternal sin debt, a, a debt we could never pay on our own, and he forgave us for it. So even that person, and listen, I'm not downplaying. I know People hurt us, betray us, abuse us. Some of us have been betrayed, have been abused. I'm as a child. I'm one of them, and and betrayed. And we have seen and gone through and heard and and a lot of stuff. And I know it's hard, but at the same time, the Lord has been so good. He has forgiven us. You know, one more thing about forgiveness, and this this broke my heart. I, I saw a man one night. Um, I was watching a documentary on North Korea, and there was a there was a pastor in North Korea. And they were just interviewing him because of all the things that the Kims had did. You know, I think it was not the current one. His dad, of course, like ruthless, you know, dictators and killed a lot of people in North Korea. And this guy was a pastor and they were interviewing him. He said this and it broke my heart. He said, as a pastor, I forgive him. He said, but as a man, I'll never forgive him. And I thought, man, that's that's heartbreaking. Here's a man of God. He's a pastor. He's leading these churches. And on camera, he said, as a pastor, like, I know it's the right thing to do. I need to do. But what he was saying is in my heart, I'll never forgive him. As a man, he said, I never will. Y'all, we can't live our life like that. One, for our own just personal, you know, health. But again, I'm thinking of a pastor. All of us, we're talking about doing David, doing what God called us to do. 
we'll, we'll never be effective in what God's calling us to do or as, as effective. Let me not say never. That's, I don't want to speak in the absolute like that. We won't be as effective, I believe, if we walk around with unforgiveness in our heart. The more we can forgive, you know, and, and that's Brother Francis. You know, we, we heard this at his funeral. Our founding pastor, if this is the first time here, a founding pastor of our, our church, Brother Francis Martin, went to be with the Lord in January. And we heard this at the funeral multiple times. One of his biggest messages was, you know, refusing to be offended by people. Because if you get offended, then you know what? You can't love them anymore and you can't reach them anymore and you can't minister to them anymore. And he was all about forgiving people and, and not getting offended. And, and, and that's the heart of God, right? Amen. So just to recap, listen, how do you win when you're wronged? When people get jealous, you remain faithful. David, it said, remain faithful. Don't wade through the wrong alone. Make sure you have people around you. Get in that life group if you don't have any close friends. Build some close friends here in the, in, in the church. Don't try to harm the one that's wronged you. Trust that the Lord will rescue you from the wrong and work at forgiving all who has wronged you. And that fourth point, he talked about that God is my advocate and he will deliver me. You know, the Bible also talks about God being an advocate, and even all three of the Trinity, he was talking about God the Father there. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being our advocate. Uh, but First John 2, 1 and 2 also talks about Jesus being our advocate. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Why don't you do me a favor and stand up with me as we close in prayer? <clears throat> I want to pray. I want to start where I ended right there. If you do me a favor, just out of respect for those around you and reverence for the Lord, if you do me a favor, just bow your head and close your eyes. It says that Jesus is our advocate because he is the only one who is truly righteous and that he sacrificed himself to atone for our sins. It said not only our sins, because he was talking to the church here, he said, but not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. And, and as I talked about, Jesus is the advocate and, and why we need to forgive, because we had a sin debt that we could never, ever, ever pay. Some people have a debt to the IRS right now, just coming out of tax season, or maybe some other debt. I found about a lady to, this week, she said she, her and her husband found out they got this huge thousands of dollars that they owed they had to pay. I couldn't imagine that. But there's ways that you can pay that. You can sell stuff. You can do that. There's no way we could ever pay the sin that we had. So tonight, as we stand in here with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know if I'm right with God. I know that I got sin in my life, but I don't know if, 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 if I'm truly forgiven. Maybe you've never asked the Lord to forgive you. The Bible says we all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard and that the wages of sin is death. That means that that's, that word death is not just a physical death, but that's eternal separation from God. If you're standing here tonight and you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with God. Man, I don't know if, I, if tonight would be my last night here on the earth if, if I crossed over into eternity just as that sweet little lady did just a couple of weeks ago, where I would end up. But I want to get right with God. I want to receive that Jesus is my advocate. He, that word atonement means that he, you know what? He, he took the place for us. He paid for our sins. Sunday pastors, I talked about redemption. He's our redeemer. He bought us off the block of slavery and then he atoned. He used his blood to buy us back and to forgive us. So if you say, Brandon, I'm not, don't know if I'm right with the Lord, but I want to get right with God tonight. That's you just slipped up your hand. 
I want to I, I pray for you. Anybody else? Thank you for raising your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? If you just say, you know what? I need to get right with God. I see your hand in the back, sir. Anybody else? Anyone else before we go? Thank you all for being brave. I want to pray for you tonight. This is the best wrong that you can make right tonight is by giving your life for Christ to, to the Lord. Those of you that have your hands raised, and we're going to pray with you. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know that you're not right with God. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me tonight. Wash me. Make me new. Lord Jesus, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we give these a round of applause. Let's rejoice with them and thank Thank the Lord for them. Hey, God bless y'all. Hey, if you, if you raise your hand for the first time, we got a card in the pew in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Fill it out. Send it to the info center. Hey, before you leave, real quick, just one more minute. Let's go through these real quick again. Have you been wronged? A lot of people shake their head. Maybe right now you're living in this. And I just want to pray for you. If there's somebody that's been slandering you, been accusing you falsely, you feel unjustly, Maybe you're struggling with one of these five things, and I want to pray over you right now, tonight. Why don't you just bow your head one more time with me as we close. I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk off the stage right now as we close up, and I just want to pray for you. If any one of these areas, if, if you know you've been trying to harm that person, you, you, you haven't been trusting in the Lord, you've been, you've been hoping that that, that that wrong would happen to them. Maybe you have some unforgiveness. Maybe somebody wronged you a long time ago, many, many years ago, and you still have not forgiven them. As I talked about, please don't be like this sweet old lady just days away from going into eternity, possibly still holding on to some unforgiveness. I just want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for anybody in here, my God, that may be struggling, that they've been wronged. Maybe right now they're walking through this. Lord. Somebody's after them. They've been talking about them. They've been slandering them. Oh God, they've been uh, just defaming them, doing so many things. Oh God, unjustly. Lord, I pray that you help them to stay faithful. No matter how many people are jealous, Lord, that they would stay faithful serving you and seeking you, Lord God. They would not try to harm those that are harming them, Lord God. That they would trust in you to deal with it and not try to pay them back. And that they would trust you to rescue them from this. Lord, I pray, help them to forgive. You might need to repent tonight. If there's something that you've tried to harm someone or you have unforgiveness towards someone, I just want to encourage you to ask the Lord to forgive you right now and turn over a new leaf. Let's start fresh tonight. Ask the Lord to help you. Father, I pray that you would help any of my brothers and sisters right now. And I ask that you would deliver them, that you would rescue them. You're our advocate. You come to our defense. You defend us and you vindicate us. Lord God, and you make all things right. You said you would do what's just and fair for all those that have been wronged. Lord, I pray that over my brothers and sisters tonight. I pray you bless them as they go. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer in regards to this or anything else tonight, we'll be up here. If not, God bless y'all. We love y'all. Y'all have a wonderful evening.